0: You are in for a treat today. When I say I've got a special guest on this episode, I mean it. Because right here on episode 27 of Trimia River, we are joined by the wonderful, inspirational and incredibly funny Lotta Miller. She's one of the amazing production line of triathlon talent that's come out of Norway in recent years. She was the first and still the only female athlete from Norway to compete at an Olympic Games up to this point in time, and she is here today to speak to you. Let's not waste any more time. Let's go. Yes indeed, this is Trimea River, and if you haven't tuned in before, where exactly have you been? My name's Stephen, and it is a thrill to have you along for the ride today. As I mentioned in the intro, I'm not going to go through loads of news stories on this episode, because I want us to dive into today's interview ASAP. So I know that the Commonwealths and the European Champs have taken place, and I will run through those at the end of the episode. But for now, let's meet today's guest. As I said, we will touch on the European Championships later in the episode, and today's guest was in fact competing in Munich herself last weekend at the European Champs. I had the pleasure of speaking to Lotta Miller a couple of weeks ago, and if you happen to be listening to this in the future, maybe after finding this episode in some dusty old time capsule, we spoke at the end of July 2022. And Lotta was a joy to spend time with. Really chatty, lots of fun, and the most fantastic insight into what life is like as an elite triathlete. And it was especially interesting with her background coming through the now world-famous Norwegian triathlon setup. Here's a quick Lotta Miller fact file for you. So Lotta is 26 years old, and she was born in Stavanger in Norway to a Norwegian mum and a Scottish dad. She competed at the Tokyo Olympics in 2021 and in doing so became the first ever Norwegian female Olympian. Monumental achievement, which we talk about in our time together. We also talk about the infamous almost see-through Norwegian trisuit from Tokyo and a viral video that was taken of Lotta that day post-race when she went and offered her support and words of encouragement to the Belgian athlete Claire Michelle who was the last person over the finish line. Just an incredible moment and if you haven't seen it, go and find the video on YouTube. It is brilliant. As well as all that, we chat about what it feels like for Lotta to be a role model for up-and-coming Norwegian female triathletes, about the direction she feels triathlon is heading in as a sport and what she likes to get up to when she's away from the demands of triathlon. But first, we started at the only place I felt we could start and I asked Lotta if she has any explanation for why Norway seems to be slowly taking over the world of sport. Because if you look at the triathlon setup in particular, there's you, and then there's Christian and Gustav and Kasper Storns, and then in athletics, the the World Championships has been on and Karsten Varholm is the world record holder in the hurdles and Jakob Ingebrigtsen won the 5,000 metres. And then in football, you've got Erling Haaland and then there's the Winter Olympians. It, it feels like Norway just has taken over the sporting world. Like, Do you think there is a secret to all this talent coming from a country with such a small population?
1: I think the the thing that you have to look at is that exactly that thing. We're a very small population, you know, a nation. And so we're very about kind of trying to uh take care of the athletes we have and if we find talent i don't usually like to use the word talent but if we find people with some extraordinary gift in some way if it's a mental gift or a physical one or they just have the right mindset then we're pretty good at kind of seeing the potential there Uh, and if you find an athlete a good you know a good timing and you have people around that have knowledge of how to kind of get that out in that athlete uh, and we're also in Norway was very good at the academia as well we have a lot of good sports physiologists and uh, the universities that study sports and especially endurance sports it's very praised so there's academia and then there's the right athletes and all the commitments as well The work ethic is really there and we see that in all areas in Norway not only in sports but also in in work and and how we live our life very goal-oriented and we're really wanting to succeed in what we do yeah
0: and do you think that filters down to younger athletes coming through they look at the ones who have come before them and try and mimic yeah, that. Especially,
1: yeah yeah especially now that there's so many athletes to look up to uh, not only in skiing because skiing is one thing that we've always been successful in because we've had a history and that's been our main sport but right now it's uh, track and field we've got the middle distance now also Jakob ingbristen 5000 meter world champion who knows maybe he'll become a half marathon world champ in a couple of years uh carsten barholm uh also and in, uh, in cycling and and everything it's a range of different athletes to look up to and and i think that inspired because it only doesn't really set the tone for it. we can only succeed in one sport but now we're shown we can succeed in all sports But then for me, the question is, the majority of success is male. And that's been also what we've seen in in Norwegian media, especially after the Olympics in Tokyo. The medals were primarily for male athletes. And the success has been on male athletes the last couple of years. So we still have to crack the code for female athletes. Yeah.
0: And this is where you come in. Because, yeah. am I right in saying that you are the first ever Norwegian female triathlete to compete at the Olympic Games?
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: Well done, for a start. Yeah, and
1: thank you. Yeah.
0: Do you see yourself as a role model for young girls back home in Norway getting into triathlon?
1: Yeah, I do. I, that's something I'm really proud of. Uh, I think that's something I've really worked for myself. And um, there's a lot of responsibility in that title. And some people, they don't generally want to kind of take that responsibility. But I really enjoy that. I enjoy seeing athletes that I can I can help, I can support, I can encourage. And that gives me confidence to do this as well to so kind of continue my process and my work towards the future, yeah.
0: Yeah. What, what's the setup like with the Norwegian team in training? Do you all train together?
1: No, no we're pretty spread out in Norway. So Norway is a very long country so the majority of traffic were based in southwest Norway so in Stavanger I'm from Stavanger the oil capital of Norway and then Bergen is where all the boys are from Gustav, Kristian, yeah, and also some of the girls but we're pretty spread out and then we meet up for training camps and there's been a lot of training camps going on where we train together but now it's becoming more and more split up and people decide to do their individual um, uh, training and what suits them. And I think it's also because we're becoming an older and more mature team as well. So when we started, we were all teenagers living at home and now everyone are more young adults uh, and we have, or some of us have, more financial means to be able to travel more and to base ourselves abroad because... It's just not optimal training at home when it's cold and dark in the winter period. Uh, and that's where we see those teams more splitting up, but still kind of keeping together. So, um, yeah, we're not as glued together as people might think right now. Uh, but I think it's because we have a really good team spirit when we're together and also at competitions as well. We, we're really proud of being the Wichon and and representing our countries and just being around each other, yeah.
0: And one of the big ways in the future you might be able to compete together is in the mixed relay, which has been a really exciting development in the past few years. And I guess it it was sad in a way that Norway didn't yet have a team at the Olympics last time, but you're building that. And in recent months, I've seen that the team's been doing more races. And how how do you feel that's coming on? Because I guess, as you said, you're trying to get more girls into the sport. And yeah, how's that side of it coming along? Do you feel like you're starting to build a squad?
1: Yeah, so going into uh, Tokyo, we didn't have two girls to go. We only had me. And so we started picking up more girls. And last year, we had three girls we could choose from. So then we said, we would just try to go for the automatic qualifier in, in Portugal and see what we can do. We knew that was the dream scenario to get a team into Tokyo. Uh, but now we're just in a different position going into Paris. We know we have three girls we can build on uh, if everyone stays healthy and, and wants to kind of commit. And we have all so we also know now we have four or five or six boys we can choose from for the relay. So it's more of a fight for the boys. So this year, we just wanted to get in, get into all the races where we can kind of gather points. That's the first part of the process, getting into races, because we don't have any ranking points. And then while Gisda and Christian, they've been doing their stuff long distance wise, trying something new. We have been fighting our asses off we kind of find some kind of substitution or testing different male athletes to see what kind of dynamic we can make at races uh, because we don't have as much choice in the female athletes. We kind of know what the strongest female athletes to use, but we've been testing ourselves out with juniors, under 23s, more up-and-coming males. And that's been really good for Team Spirit, I think, because it's really made them hungry as well, the next generation after uh, the Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Evelin and Casper Sorenes. So it's been really beneficial for the whole team. Uh, And we managed to do some decent results. We know we're not an A team. We know we're losing kind of our strongest male athlete. But that also means that we're even more committed to, you know, this is something that's going to be super good in one and a half to two years if we just get them into short scores again. We know we will, but they just have to finish their... Kona and 70 point three kind of check boxes and then they'll come back to us and we'll take over the short distance world. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting with Christian and Gustav doing a lot of longer distance stuff. It just I think shows us how varied triathlon is nowadays because it's going through a bit of an interesting kind of transition phase, I think the last five or ten years. Because if you go back about 10 years, triathlon in the World Series, it was Olympic distance and sprint distance, and that was basically it and you you could follow it quite easily and those were the main races that athletes trained for but nowadays you've got the longer distance stuff you've got the ironman series you've got pto series super league triathlon and i feel like athletes are jumping around doing lots of different things apart from the world series alone and how do you Mm -hmm. feel that is at the minute like what do you think of the triathlon scene at the minute do you enjoy that sort of scope
1: it's uh it can be a bit chaotic because what's happening in short course now, uh, it's very kind of gone from Olympic distance to super sprint to sprint to the majority of races not being Olympic distance. And, and that's hard for an athlete to kind of figure out, OK, what am I training for? If we're training for an Olympic distance, it's more similar to 70.3 because you need the endurance, you need to be able to kind of use aerobic uh, capacity more. Well, if you do super sprint and a sprint, you have to work more anaerobic. So I think what they're doing in short distance now this year is actually really making a divide between not being able to jump from short distance to long course, if that's the direction that we're going for a more kind of eliminated super sprint format rather from the Olympic distance. So it's really interesting to see now when there's become a bridge, especially last year with Christian and Gustav going over from short distance, that was Olympic distance, and then going over to a longer distance from now, where you now have to be a super sprint athlete to do well in the World Triathlon, you know, short score scene. We saw Gustav doing leads, for example, that was a sprint distance. He really struggled with the pace. And he said it wasn't because I'm not strong enough. It's just because it's. it's I, I've just been stimulating different energy systems, and, and my body's just not used pushing that pace. But he know he knows he can. He just needs to train for it as well. So everything is developing. The sport is so young, so they're trying. World is trying to figure out what format works when it comes to marketing, when it comes to viewers. Are we going for a new discipline in the Olympics after Paris? Are we going for a sprint or eliminate the format? That will change what kind of athletes get into the sport. If it's fast and furious or if it's more endurance. And that will also make different athletes maybe not want to try a long course and maybe want to try a long course and go over. So um, I don't know. I really don't know.
0: Do you still feel like athletes see the Olympics as the pinnacle despite all these other series appearing?
1: I really do. I am um, also because when you see the Olympic champions, uh, when you see the Flora Duffy and, and the Alistair Brownley and Christian, when you see them jumping over to a 70.3 race and absolutely smashing it, uh, and you don't see the 70.3 world champions going over to an Olympic distance and smashing it, the people that are the best at the Olympics are also the best athletes in the sport regarding the distance. So I think there's a big respect, especially for like top five Olympians, because they just show that they're good at all distances. But it'll be very interesting to see the more disciplines, if there will be more discipline in the Olympics triathlon sport, if we get in the spring distance or if we get in an eliminator, for example, will there be as much respect? because then we're talking about very different athletes as well. It's not necessarily that the, the Olympic athletes in the Olympic system will be the Olympic athlete or the Olympic champion uh, in the super sprint or the eliminator, because we look at the mixed team relay, for example, and there's huge respect for the mixed team relay, but it's just not the same because it's a, it's a four-man show. You don't need to have the perfect race in, in the relay because there are four athletes there will always be mistakes, but when you're on an individual race, Everything has to be done perfectly, and one person has to do it. So um, I find that the Olympic champion is the champion in triathlon. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I'll get onto the Olympics in a few minutes' time because I want to ask you a few things about that. But yeah, just when you mentioned about the Olympic champions being the best, what Christian Blumenfeld did in Tokyo last year—I I don't think I've seen anything as impressive as that last mile that he ran. Um, in triathlon and like in my whole I'm sure I've been watching triathlon 10-15 years and I was convinced Alex T. was going to to win it and then just out of nowhere I just this ferocious sprint like I, I don't know how he held that sprint for so long it was incredible
1: his mind is amazing and to be able to have been with him from the very start when we were getting a team together in 2010 and the way he he said, I'm going to be an Olympic champ in five years' time, and everyone was just looking at him and saying, yeah, good luck, my friend. Mm-hmm. And then two years in, yeah, you're on route. One year in, oh, my God, yeah, you're definitely on route. Three months, you know, before the Games, Jesus Christ, yes, you are going to be the Olympic champion. Uh, and just seeing the development of how he's gone from being a very ambitious and very, very hardworking athlete to also having the qualities of being very smart, being very mature. And he knew that it was going to hurt that bloody hell. He was not going to give that <sighs> away to anyone because he's really, he's really put down the work. He, that's what he lives and breathed for that triathlon. And
0: yeah.
1: I was so emotional when I saw him win, uh, because I know that it's a hundred percent of, everything in his life put into that
0: yeah Yeah, it's fantastic but here you have had a really good season considering you've just told me before we started recording that you haven't been feeling well since having covid but you've had two top 20s this season already Mm -hmm. in leeds and montreal how do you feel the season's going so far
1: regarding with everything that's happened from january to to may i'm really happy Uh, i've ticked some boxes and i'm really proud of the way i've been racing as well I've just attacked and it's not been perfect it's not been the way I wanted to race when it comes to the level I want to be at but I've really worked the cards that I have and I've really tried to race a different way be more aggressive and not think consequences just go for it and that puts me up for some pretty okay results yeah so I'm happy with that yeah
0: yeah it has been brilliant can, can we talk a little bit about growing up in Norway for you though? What was life like for you growing up? I think I read somewhere that you were a triplet, is that right?
1: Yeah, triplet, youngest, youngest of three, <laughs> that's me.
0: And what was family um, life like growing up? Were you in quite a sporty family?
1: Uh, well, yeah, sporty family, but not elite athlete family at all. Just, I think it was my parents' went from being two people in a family to being five, and they were pretty overwhelmed. And <laughs> having three kids, it was also very, very structured from day one. But I always had company in my siblings. And we always did fun stuff. We were outside playing, we, we had a cabin up in the mountains. So we were a lot outside. And we were just brought up with very healthy uh, morals. You know, if you go outside and you stay outside, regarding the weather, if it's nice weather, then you stay outside anyway, you just Dressed up, and you come home and you eat and you have family time and sports was very fun. Uh, we ended up maybe getting too much of each other at a young age. So we ended up in three different sports. Uh, my brother playing volleyball, me in swimming in, in the beginning and then triathlon and then my sister in martial arts, taekwondo. Uh, so sports became like our free space. And with the same p- passion of being, you know, loving to be active and also loving to, to be competitive, we all thrived and uh, I'm very lucky to have the family I have and I'm very, very grateful for them because they push me, they inspire me and if I do well, if I do bad, they're still there and they keep me grounded, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's important, isn't it? Um, because I guess some people who let triathlon become this all-consuming thing and and to get to the very top, I suppose for some people it kind of has to, it can be hard to stay grounded.
1: Yeah, I, I struggle with that because, uh, when I get too wrapped up in the elite world I get too high expectations and I was actually talking to my friend the other day because she has this um new coming in every week where she gets different quotes and, and one of the quotes or a different life quotes or life advice philosophical ones and this was kind of have high ambition but low expectations and and I found that very nice because I sometimes find that having high expectations yourself really puts a lot of pressure on you and it, it makes you feel like you fail a lot and that that gives you negative thoughts the negative uh, impact while having low expectations you will surprise yourself and uh, that doesn't mean you have to work less it means you work as much but you don't put that pressure on yourself and, and the focus is still there so when i'm in an elite environment i have really high expectations for myself especially in the Norwegian team and i've just been very privileged to be on really good athletes with high expectations for themselves but that's kind of self-destructive for me. So being able to be at home, be around people that have more of a chill vibe, uh, makes me feel that I don't need to perform twenty-four-seven to feel like I'm worth anything, or or uh, I can actually just be me. And the more I find comfort in having low expectations for me as an athlete, but also having that high ambition, it's a very good balance area.
0: And you have every right to have high expectations of yourself because, as I said, you are an Olympian. Yeah, let's ta- chat about Tokyo. I'd love to hear what your memories of that day are. Yeah, not not many people can say that they're an Olympian. So, yeah, yeah. what are your memories of that day?
1: Oh, uh, mixed emotions. I was very good at soaking the whole Olympic experience up, uh, the Olympic village, everything. Race day, I wish I'd gone into race day and been a more kind of whatever happens, happens. It's not a big deal, kind of athlete. But I was very stressed. I didn't really sleep a lot the the night leading into the games or the race. It was kind of, it was make it and break it for me. And it's not the make it and break it, really, if you're not battling for the win. Uh, It's really just the race. And I was really disappointed afterwards. And I I was in a bad space mentally the week after because I really felt like, I'm not good enough. I didn't perform the way I wanted to, but at the end, the performance was okay. I didn't really, I, I did a good job on the bike. I, I was running level I was at. I couldn't really run any really faster. And, and with the training I've been doing up to it, it wasn't really a bad result. I think I was just very colored by the fact that I was with the boys and the boys were just in different league than me. And everyone was, they were talking about winning, 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 winning. And, and I got too attached to their goals and their mindset. And, and I forgot a lot about where I am in my process. And when I came 24th uh, and and they were telling themselves that, you know, an eleven and an 8th place, that's not good enough. And I was like way behind them results-wise I, that I didn't feel good enough at all. And that just shows that the way I am as an athlete as well, I really... I really mirror the athletes I'm around and their expectations. And I get really distracted sometimes by being around athletes that are better than me because that's where I want to be as well. And then I lose track of myself. So uh, performance-wise, I did a really good character. I, I really raced my race. And yeah, things were off. But I also had stuff going into the games where I crashed on velodrome six weeks before. I broke my jaw. That was not ideal. And then I did altitude, uh, heat training in altitude. That was my first time doing that. So a lot of new stuff, uh, a lot of turbulence going into the Games as well. But now I'm proud that I did it. I'm proud that I had that journey and that I got to experience and, and to be along for you know an Olympic gold medal ride as well. Because not, not a lot of athletes get that. Not a lot of athletes get to train with the Olympic camp. Uh, and that's something that uh, I will really... Take with me for the next Olympics as well. All the uh, all the different things that you can pick up and tools you can have in your toolbox for the next game.
0: I want to say thank you to you for being such an inspiration. And you might not have realised this at the time, but the video that went around the world of you going up to Claire Michelle from Belgium, who was the last female finisher over the line, and you had the presence of mind even though you retired, and I'm sure you were a little bit disappointed, as you said, with your result. But you went up and picked somebody off the ground, and you told her that she was a fighter, and you told her that she was showing the Olympic spirit. And it was just the most incredible video. And I'm glad that it got the coverage that it did, because it was so great to see. And I think that was one of the best moments of the male or female triathlon at the Olympics. I thought it was brilliant. And so, yeah, thank you for that. So even though you probably felt exhausted and a little bit disappointed what you did in picking her up was just it was so cool to watch.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That that means a lot when people say that because that doesn't reflect me as an athlete, that reflects me as a person. And I get emotional when you say that as well because I always find that people should be appreciated, you know, just for being them as well and I care for the athletes that I compete with. I I really look up to them in so many ways. So that was just meaning showing respect to a fellow fellow athlete. Yeah.
0: Have you been in touch with Claire since, or did you know her before the games?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know Claire. We're pretty. I know all the girls, and that's probably probably because I'm really extrovert. I don't know, <laughs> or really chatting. Uh, but we're from such a small community, and I've raced with her, and she raced before I started racing, and and I always looked up to her as an athlete, and she's always had really good values, and she's taken care of a lot of up and coming athletes getting into the sport as well. So, um, yeah, she's, uh, she's a very special athlete for a lot of people and for the triathlon community as well. She gives a lot. So after, before I've been in touch, and yeah, she's, uh, she's a fighter. She really has something in her and, um, she reflects what triathlon is all about.
0: Mm. Yeah. Is it easy to have friendships with the other girls that you race against when I guess you only see them on race weekends and then it's probably a case of you trying to stay away from them until the start of the race? So uh, can you maintain friendships?
1: For me, it's been a necessity because I've been the only girl for a very long time. And for me to get some camaraderie that's not just normal people and people from swimming and you would feel very lonely as a Norwegian triathlete. At elite level when you're all by yourself and no one really understands the sports so it's been really good to have girls from abroad internationally just discussing the ups and downs and and feeling that you have some support and some understanding that's been really good for me and and you follow it sometimes you fall in and out of contact because there's you don't see them for a while but they're always there and I've always found that I've never had an experience with any girl any triathlete Uh, that's been negative they're always open even if you don't know them you can always write to them or contact them or or say hi to them at races and ask them for a favor and you will always be approached with respect and I think it's uh, just the fact that everyone that does triathlon they work really hard they put in the work they know what kind of life we've all chosen to live and it's very sometimes isolating so if we can help each other if we can kind of Make a camaraderie and the social group together and make it more fun, inspiring, and motivating for each other, then that's what we'll do. So it's kind of give energy to others so that you get the energy back. It's very that kind of feel, I guess.
0: The last thing I want to ask about the Olympics, I have to ask this about the famous trisuits that were almost see through. What did you, <laughs> well, what was your honest opinion of the trisuits? And do you have yours still hanging up at home somewhere?
1: Oh, I've got like five of them because we got all extras. <laughs> Amazing try-suits, amazing <laughs> fit, uh, amazing technology behind. That's what I've really enjoyed is people kind of trashing our Olympic suits just because of the looks, then you can then you think they don't know the performance. They don't yeah. know sports at all. It's all about the performance, it's not about the looks. Yeah. If it was about the looks, we would be walking other kinds of suits, you know. So uh, the technology But I like to look it. in
0: a strange way. I think because it was so different, like everybody remembers it. Like nobody remembers yeah, what, what the Italian one or the French one looked like, but everybody remembers no, the original. one.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it wasn't undefeated at all because no, we were no. covering all the like yeah, yeah. all the good fish. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it was just it was going to be hot. It was going to be humid. We didn't want to have a black suit and we wanted thin material. And that's what we had to go for. And TrimTech just they were so cooperative. And we did so much testing with with different fabrics and the breathability and and the coating as well. And all the athletes, fellow athletes, they came up to us and they were so interested in our suits. And some people were there, they were trash talking their own suits, like ours is just way too dark. What the? hell did our manufacturer or federation do to, you know, to to our suits. They didn't think about the humidity or heat at all. And we just had a suit that everyone envied. So I was really proud of everything, the team, uh, the brand, even having era bars that were custom-made, everything that we did going into the Olympics. It was just high development, detail-oriented, performance-minded, different, unique it was just everything that we wanted and uh and that shows yeah
0: yeah and that's why you're the best yeah exactly yeah
1: well the boys are the best <laughs> hopefully I'll be the best you here. will be
0: <laughs> just for the last few minutes let's step away from triathlon what what is your favorite thing to do when you're not training or racing as a triathlete
1: mm, i love people i love being with good people people that make me laugh uh i love laughing i love just getting the moment where you think, yeah, I can stay in this moment forever. Uh, food. I'm a very simple-minded girl. A uh, good company and good food and, and just good surroundings, nature, uh, nice weather. Makes me yeah. happy, yeah.
0: Who in the world do you most admire?
1: Oh, that's really hard. I've, it's hard to pick one person because there are so many people with different uh, qualities. I have this friend of mine that I've been training with, uh, and she has some really amazing qualities, a uh, Danish triathlete, Lina Tam, um, amazing friend, hard worker, and she inspires me. And that's I think finding people that I can connect with uh, and that I can relate with. And yeah, that's inspirational for me. Yeah.
0: And- Finally, where would you like to be or what would you like to be doing in one year from now?
1: I would like to be swimming, biking and running, uh, being healthy, being happy, uh, hopefully being uh, fast as well and en route to Paris with myself and my team, yeah.
0: Thank you so much. Do you know what? I, I think you're so good for the sport. I think it's really good to have people like you with a personality who are relatable because I feel like... One of the ways that triathlon maybe struggles to get fans is that everybody is locked into this training mindset, and I guess the people watching it just see all the YouTube channels of people training, 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 and there isn't much beyond that. So I think it's really, really good to have people like you who obviously do the training as well, but you you have a laugh, you enjoy being around people, you give fun interviews, and I think I think that's needed.
1: And you know, honestly, what people put off on the social media that's just the athlete part of them and I see a lot of athletes that do social and they do it as work. and then you go on Strava for example and you go on Snapchat and that's what you that's when you get the real deal <laughs> that's when you get the laughs and the dirty jokes and and the stuff that's just not okay for marketing and that's the fine line between the, the this is work me and this is me when um, I'm well work in a kind of a business way and then you have the worst uh, everyday me. And what I find is a lot of triathletes are a lot of fun, especially in training, because there's so much training involved. You have to have fun, you have to have a good laugh. So uh, actually, we we should be showing more of kind of the behind the scenes and the fun part. But it's just a stigma of this is what everyone is doing right now. uh, And this is what the sponsors want to see. But I think that will come because, at one point, that will become boring as well. And you have athletes that show so much personality, like Jessica Lairman, for example, amazing. <laughs> the podcast she does, amazing. And as you say, it's relatable, is fun. relatable, is like, if that's the Olympic champion, if that's the world champion, and they're like that, then I can be that too. And that's what sport's all about, inspiring, making people believe in themselves and thinking anything is possible, right?
0: Such a pleasure to spend time with Lotta and once again a huge huge thanks to her for dropping in to say hello to us all. If you'd like to ask Lotta any other questions or just get in touch and tell her how great you think she is you can find her on Instagram at L8Miller that is L then the number eight and then Miller. What an athlete and what an inspiration. As promised earlier, just a couple of things to mention by way of triathlon news. Things that it would be wrong not to report because it has been a busy week or two in the world of triathlon with both the Commonwealth Games and the European Championships having taken place since I last spoke to you. So here is a quick rundown of the headlines. In Birmingham at the Commonwealth's, Alex Yi ruled the roost with two gold medals. Not to say that it was a completely smooth and controversy-free race, Hayden Wilde, who finished second behind Alex in the men's race, was neck and neck until the final corner really, when he had to take a retrospective 10 second time penalty for unbuckling his helmet before racking his bike in the T2 transition. Extremely harsh if you ask me, and even more harsh if you look at how fine the margin was in slow motion replays. But I think... Alex would probably have taken him in a sprint anyway, so ye first, wild second, and a bronze medal for Matt Hauser in third. In the women's race, Flora Duffy reigned supreme, as she so often does, and as I had predicted she would in our last episode, just to slot that in there. Georgia Taylor Brown picked up a fantastic silver medal, and big congrats to Beth Potter for securing a really impressive bronze for Scotland. In the mixed relay, England won but for me non-Stanford stole the show and there will be more to come from her when I mention the European champs in a couple of minutes. England were strong favourites and lived up to that billing with Yee and Taylor Brown blowing the race apart with blistering legs from both of them but then the story of the race was Wales taking a surprise silver ahead of Australia in third thanks to a phenomenal finish from non-Stanford. And then moving on to the European Championships in Munich just two weeks later, the men's race was a clean sweep of the podium for France with Leo Berger taking gold ahead of Dorian Connings and Pierre Lacour. While in what was her last ever major championship in her last ever season wearing the GB colours, non-Stanford took home a pretty remarkable gold medal ahead of Laura Lindemann and Emma Lombardi. As expected, France romped home to the mixed relay victory. They have ridiculous strength and depth at the minute. And when Team GB don't have their full-strength lineup competing, France are always going to be the ones to catch. So, loads of exciting racing. We've been spoilt the last few weeks, haven't we? Great, great stuff. And hopefully that bodes really well for the World Series season that lies ahead of us. Anyhow, that's about all we have time for today. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Keep telling your friends, families, children, grandparents, postmen, hairdressers and everyone else in between about the podcast. You can find me on Instagram at River underscore pod or on Twitter at River all one word. So yeah, have an outstanding week, whatever you have lined up. I hope it's a great one. And I will catch up with you all once again very, very soon. Over and out.